Welcome to the Mead Musings Podcast. Here we open discussions on everyday hidden issues. Like living with disabilities and dealing with illnesses. We also cover issues around conditions such as stroke, diabetes, autism, cancer, leukemia and also living in abusive relationships. We focus on helping people see the light at the end of the tunnel. This podcast is available on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the Meet Musings podcast. Today, my guest is Suzanne Trippi. She's based in Boston and she has a very interesting story to tell about her life and uh, how she's gone through divorce and she's recovering from other issues. So, Susan, welcome to the Mid Musings podcast. Really, let's just first of all welcome you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Please just introduce yourself and tell us more about you, just basic information about you, really, and what you want us to know. For those sure. who don't know you at all. Great. Thank you. So, yes, as you mentioned, I'm based in the Boston area in Massachusetts. I spent about 20 years in the nonprofit sector and in areas of fundraising and board development and leadership and organizational change and working with lots of different organizations as I have a passion for being involved in my community and working to improve the quality of life for people. And about three years ago or four years ago, I made a transition, started my own consulting business to nonprofit. And then in 2020, when COVID hit, (laughs) and many people took that opportunity to really assess life experience and and business experience. And I made a pivot during that time. And I transitioned to women's empowerment coaching. And so now I, having gone through a divorce role as a women's empowerment coach, is I work with women, coaching them through the process of divorce and coming up with a plan coming up with self-care. I'm all about self-care. And so developing self-care practices through that process to maintain their mental, social, spiritual, and physical well-being during that time and transition. Uh, And I also work a lot on advocacy issues related to women's rights, not only here in the United States, but around the world. So that's just a, a little bit about me, and I'm sure we'll we'll dig into more of that in our time. <laughs> oh, definitely. You said you work as an advocate, and and you also involved in the women empowerment, women rights. Is that as part of your business, or is that your job? It's both, and you know when quarantine was happening and shelter in place was happening, it, it really opened up this opportunity for, for me and many of us to really reflect and think. And I, I took that time and I began to think about now that I've gone through the process of divorce and I'm in process of 
creating a new life and building a new identity and, and moving forward in, in new ways. What do I want this next season of my life to be, right? And I started to think about both my career efforts and my volunteer aspects in my life, throughout my life. And the common thread that I notice through my volunteer efforts in particular, have they've all centered around women's empowerment, women's issues, whether that was human trafficking, whether that was sex trade, whether that was refugee resettlement, whether that was working with single moms, all of those different and other areas too. And so I began to think about my passions and my areas of passion. And from that, the common thread that I have seen throughout my life is a commitment to women's rights and women's issues. And so it made natural sense that in this pivot point in my life, I would focus completely on that as my next step and my next a leg of this next chapter and journey that I'm entering onto in my life, because that is truly the core passion of my heart. One of the areas that I focused on in, in 2020 in particular was coming into deeper alignment with my passion and my purpose and my calling. And I feel truly that this direction that I am moving in embraces all of that. And it is in deep alignment with who I am and, and my, the ways that I want to invest my energy. So women's empowerment and women's rights and focusing on efforts related to supporting and advocating for women will become, as they are, a central point of my business and because they are to me as an individual. And so I, it made sense to no longer live in this bifurcated life of disconnecting those two, but to have them fully aligned through my business. Thank you so much for that explanation. You did mention that you just went through a divorce. Can you tell us more about that process, that part of your life? Sure. So I have to start by saying that divorce was never an option in my mind, right? When, when I got married to my, my now ex-husband almost 20 years ago, we were together for 20 years, I was fully committed to marriage, to the journey, to growing old together, to living life together no matter, no matter what happened. And as a person of faith, I have a Christian background. And so I was certainly committed, even from a faith perspective, of that divorce just wasn't an option for me. And then I would say about five years ago, I went through burnout. I went through burnout. I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. And the doctor that I was working with at the time recommended that I quit work and let my body recover and focus on natural ways rather than medication. Not that there's anything wrong with medication, but I just didn't want to go down that, that road. And so we worked on a lot of natural ways of de-stressing and leading to 
better patterns in my life. And so one of the areas that I focused on during that period of time, and I should say it took about eight months for my body to fully recover from adrenal fatigue and the effect of burnout. But one of the activities that I invested time is, as I worked with a spiritual director to help me kind of uncover what are some of the patterns? How did I get to this place? How did I get here? And what can I do? What changes can I make in life so that I have some healthy boundaries um, when it comes to work? And, and I just really wanted to understand how did I end up in this place? So working with the spiritual director, one of the first things that we did together was we identified self-care practices and made self-care part of my routine, weekly rhythms, monthly rhythms. And so through this process of digging into my patterns, understanding my personality, understanding my core values as a person, my convictions, understanding the ways that I was out of alignment in some areas that led to burnout, in addition to work and the job that I had at the time, which certainly contributed. And I started to recognize and realize, okay, this isn't just about work. That was a big part of it for sure. But there were other ways in my life that I was just out of alignment. So I recognized that in addition to work and the the stressors from work, I was living out of alignment in some other areas of my life. And one of those was related to my relationship with my husband in that we had some very different ways of looking at the world and kind of operating. And so for me, what I, my process of divorce as each person's, it's very unique, right? My situation was, was not one in which it was a difficult marriage or there was abuse or it was a challenging relationship. In my situation, I cared very much for my husband. We have a lot in common and he is a good man and a good person. But what I recognized was the ways that we were different and the ways that we tend to process the world and operate from were causing tension throughout our marriage. And I reached a point of just recognizing that I had to honor gifts and the abilities and the capabilities that I have while also honoring the gifts and capabilities and strengths that my husband had in recognizing we just weren't able to come to a place of making that work from my perspective, because it meant one of us would have to change significantly, which is not sustainable for either party. And so, yes, we went to couples counseling. Yes, we had conversation and we did all of the steps to try and resolve the see if this is sustainable. And I just came to a place of recognizing that out of love and care for each of us and, and honoring who we are at our core and recognizing it's just not going to continue to work for me. Okay. Thank you so much. I am sorry that you had to go through the divorce journey because as somebody that was brought up as a Christian myself, I don't believe in divorce, but I've had to go through divorce and I know how tough it is. And uh, 
I appreciate that you said, I mean, you were married for 20 years, we were together for 20 years, but it wasn't until five years ago when you had your burnout mm-hmm. that you started recognizing that there were things you needed to change. There were uh, ways you were living out of alignment with your husband, but you had been together for 15 years and you didn't recognize that. How is that possible? Well, some of the things I knew were there. Some of the differences that we had are were present and they, you know, we had conversation, you try and work things out, you you make concessions. And I think for me, you know, growing up with a into a Christian faith where there is a very strong message that divorce is not acceptable, right? And so in the context of marriage, then I adopted the attitude of, okay, well, if if we can't figure out how to make some of these things work, okay, I just have to accept this. And and so because divorce isn't an option. and, And so you just kind of move into this place of making concessions. And then I just realized eventually I had this experience with my grandmother before she passed away and we were reflecting on her life and we were reflecting on some of her regrets and, you know, some of the different experiences that she had. And in the context of that conversation, she had shared with me about um, her earlier marriage and when she was young and at the time she was married to a very abusive person and she ended up divorcing him. And she suffered a lot as a result of that because the church kind of turned their Catholic church turned their back on her. But in the context of this conversation, I, I then internally recognized and realized I can either continue to stay in a marriage that is not fulfilling and is leading to consistent tension, or I can make the choice like to, I can make the choice to move towards counseling. And if that doesn't work separation, and if that doesn't work divorce. So it really was that conversation with my grandmother, where I realized for the first time, divorce can be an option for me, there will be consequences, and it will be difficult. But it is an option, it became an option. Oh, thank you. So you said it was when you had that conversation with your grandmother that it suddenly dawned on you that you had the option of going for divorce. So would you say the conversation with your grandmother helped you in recognizing that you were not really living a fulfilled life, so to say? Yes, it certainly did. And, and it, it was a very pivotal moment for me in terms of recognizing that we all have choices and each choice has a positive outcome or it has a negative outcome or it has a combination of both. And that conversation helped me realize that I have a choice in this marriage as I have a choice with many aspects of my life. And it also helped me to understand that if we ended up in a place of divorce, it helped me to understand that there would be potentially 
negative consequences from a church perspective. And that certainly did happen in my life too. I lost a lot of friends. I was not supported by many in church leadership. And so that conversation with my grandmother also prepared me for the potential outcome that could happen. And what as the attitude of the people you were close to in church, what has been the attitude to your divorce and to you since your divorce now? At the time, I was actually quite surprised by the number of women in particular who could not accept that I was moving forward with a divorce and who consistently said to me, Susan, you do not have biblical grounds for divorce. And so then, you know, that that sparks a conversation of what does that mean and what does that mean in different circles and what does that mean from a conservative evangelical perspective, which is where most of these women were coming from. And so the initial response was a lot of judgment. And it was also pressuring me to stay in the marriage regardless of whether we were able to work things out or not. So finding, quote, creative ways to remain in the marriage and to not divorce. I recognized through that that I was going to need to put up some boundaries with any friend who was not willing to hear me or to listen or to ask questions. I was really surprised by the number of people that didn't even ask questions to find out what was going on or how could they help or could they just listen. I was really surprised by the number of folks that just kept to me, cast judgment on the situation. And now I would say I've maintained a relationship with a handful of friends from different churches that my husband and I were involved with. But unfortunately, I had to let a lot of those relationships go because there was a lack of compassion and a lack of acceptance for my choice to move through and process a divorce. And, you know, and I think a lot of that just comes down to strong teaching of the church against divorce and in some ways a, a very narrow definition of what is allowed and acceptable in terms of reasons for divorce. And if you fall outside of that bracket of acceptable reasons, then the church doesn't really know what to do with you or how to process your situation or how to respond. Thank you so much for giving us that insight. I appreciate my religious authorities always frown against divorce. Even if you are living in an abusive relationship, we have been conditioned, I think that's the word, we've been brought up to believe that you have to stay in the marriage. It's a do or die affair. And that's the way we are raised as Christians. But I feel like you, that if you're not happy in a relationship or there are grounds to suspect that your partner is cheating on you or there are other biblical reasons why you can divorce. And in addition to this, 
are things that you just cannot reconciliate. When you cannot reconciliate, I think the best option is each person goes their own separate ways, which I think is fair enough. As long as you are both happy making that decision and you agree on the decision at the end of the day. So I understand what you went through and it's the same way. Either you're African, either you're white, either you're red or blue. This is the same response that church has to people when they go through divorce, which I think is not really fair. They should give the person an opportunity. Some people would actually just blank you out like, oh, she's that divorced person. I mean, it's all sort of responses, all sorts of reactions from different people. So you going through that reaction, I wasn't expecting that to be, but it's the same way I felt at that time. But do you feel that you are happier now that you've taken that decision to leave the marriage? Are you more contented? I am now. And, and I will say that that has come with a lot of emotion. It has come with a lot of grief. It has come through a lot of mourning. It has come through a lot of processing of really looking at Owning my role, owning what I brought to the table, owning those areas of, of my personhood and my behaviors and my personalities that also contributed to the divorce. And it also took a lot of, I grieved for a long time. And I will probably continue to do that just because it hits you in different ways in different seasons of your life, right? And in, and in my context, as I mentioned, my ex-husband is a good person with a good heart and good values, and he cared for people. And so I really had to go through a period of releasing guilt and forgiveness of myself for the pain that I caused him in this process too. And once I was able to come to that point and I had spent many months really reflecting on, as I mentioned, my own behaviors and my own, the things that I brought to the table, then I was able to come to a place of, of forgiving myself and then from that, I was able to really start the process of moving forward and deciding, okay, even in the midst of everything else, that's kind of, because as you know, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through this experience too, because as you know, every foundation in your life crumbles during that period of time. And it takes a while to rebuild and to figure and to make sense of the world again and make sense of the world again as as a woman that's now a divorcee and what does that even mean and what are the stigmas against divorced women in culture and society and how do you how do I operate now and and it also requires for me as a person of Christian background thinking okay what does this mean now in terms of my faith and what does this mean in terms of whether I'm welcome in Christian communities anymore? And, and what does this mean in, 
you know, having been so hurt by the church's response and treatment of me through this process, I had a lot of deconstructing of the faith to do in my own life and rebuilding that aspect too. And so there's just different ways that you have to rebuild and restructure and recalibrate. And that takes time. And in that, I will say, I have felt that I fully reconnected with who I am at my core, with what my passions are, with what my purpose is on this earth, and with the living in a a fully aligned manner for who I am. And so, yes, I can honestly say now that I am happy, that I am content, and that I am excited about the present and what the future holds for me as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you mentioned that the reason you had to go through this divorce was the irreconcilable differences you had. Are you okay to share some of these differences? Yeah, I would say I would say one of them would be that and again and I don't share this from a way of saying that my way is right and my ex-husband's yeah, is wrong because that that's not it. Each have our areas of gifts and areas of strength and what we each bring is a gift to the world. And so I want to start first by honoring that and honoring differences in my ex-husband and I as values that we both bring and have to offer. I would say that one of the differences is that I am a very action-oriented and goal-driven person in terms of thinking about not only what I want to do in life in my present, but also what where do I see myself in 10, 5, 15 years? Like I'm, I'm usually very thoughtful and intentional about where do I want to go? What do I want to accomplish? And, and then making a path to help that happen. And that's a strength and that's something good. My ex-husband operates from a place of living in the moment and being very present driven, <laughs> which is also a wonderful gift and a wonderful strength. And the combination of that, while you would think, oh, that's great. You balance each other out. That's what I was going to say. I would have seen that as a perfect match. Somebody who plans ahead and thinks of 10 years to come and somebody who's just taking one day at a time. I would have thought that's a perfect match. (laughs) But I guess, again, it would be very annoying and frustrating for you because you are making plans and he's there saying, oh, just sit down sweetie (laughs) just enjoy the moment we're here or maybe he does something on the spot of the moment i'm not sure maybe that's the kind of thing he would probably do so as somebody who takes one day at a time and it's just like all right spontaneous let's just do this and you're thinking oh i haven't planned for that (laughs) (laughs) right and it's those it's the daily moments and it's reflecting back, what I recognize is that particular difference caused a lot of tension throughout our marriage. And it's the conversations here and conversations there. And 
know, 15 years of the same kind of conversation <laughs> and just because we're wired differently. And, and that's it. It's a matter of, that's the word I was trying to think of earlier. Like, how are we wired? Now, what I counsel young women in particular, and I'm working with young women in particular, I encourage them to understand and make a commitment throughout their relationship to making a commitment to understanding how each person is wired and really working on communication to know how to navigate that, how to work through that, how to honor that in each other, how to affirm that in each other, and how importantly to work through conflict in those areas where you differ so that it doesn't continue to have this, you know, low burn (laughs) throughout (laughs) the relationship. (laughs) That's one of the lessons that I learned, right? Was as I was reflecting back over what did I bring to the table? That's one of the lessons I learned was I wasn't always, wasn't always good about understanding the nuances of how we are wired and being able to communicate around those in a way that came to a resolution or understanding or movement forward in in ways that allowed us to both express these differences and honor them. And so now I'm focused very heavily on helping young women in particular to recognize and understand that it's incredibly important to (laughs) honor the ways that you're wired and find out how to sustain that in positive and healthy ways with your spouse or your partner through communication and being committed to a lifetime of growing in understanding and communication. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, your explanation and all the background information that you've just given. But as you said, you are in a different place in your life now. So what are the things that you do differently? What exactly is it that you do now? I would say one of the things that I'm doing differently and and COVID has really created space for this to happen, right? Because the last year was incredibly difficult for so many people around the world and really threw our lives for a loop in many ways. One of the things that I'm doing differently is I have increased my commitment to self-care. And by self-care, I don't just mean those fun activities that, that we do, like going to a movie or getting your nails done or going to brunch with girlfriends and having fun conversation. Like that's part of it. But really my commitment to self-care has been to the aspect of my soul, to the aspect of my essence and, and really digging into and understanding my modes of operation, my behaviors, my ego, because ego really works hard to try and thwart our plans sometimes, right? Because the ego is all about keeping us safe and keeping us protected. And so I, I have spent a lot of time focusing on deeper growth through self-care that is focused on intentional efforts of uncovering 
layers of myself so that I can really become not only the best version of me that I can be, but so that I can become more self-aware in many situations. And I find that the deeper I dig in terms of self-care, the more it expands my compassion for other people and other situations and helps me to recognize that we're all on a journey and I'm never going to know somebody's full backstory and somebody's full history in the time and span that I have with them, right? And so it's so important not to judge. And it's so important to come from a place of love, love of self and love of others. And so I work really hard to bring that into my business and my coaching with women one-on-one as well. All right. That's, that's great to know. Does that actually make you contented doing that for others and doing that for yourself? Learning about self-care and self-care, it's so important for everyone. We need to be able to understand what motivates you, what keeps you going. And we have to be able to understand our emotions your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, everything is all linked into that human being that you are. And if you don't care for yourself, there's no way you can actually care for others. You need to be able to care for yourself and move from that. You don't give out of what you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't love yourself, you can't love any other person. So you are now in a place where you're loving yourself, loving everything about yourself and the time you have, the freedom, the, all the activities that you do. You probably go out for exercise. You could go for a walk. You could. Do you have kids, by the way? No, I do not. All right. So now it's all me time for you. <laughs> it's only COVID that is now ruining this time. Here in UK right now, we are back to full lockdown. So level five, everywhere is shut down. Nobody's supposed to go out. You only go for maybe a few minutes of exercise a day. You are only allowed to meet just one person outside. It's crazy. It's mental. But this is the time when self-care is so important for everybody. So I understand what you're doing right now. And uh, for you... What's the way forward now? What do you want to do with your time now? Apart from coaching and uh, supporting other women. Apart from that, I I reconnected with with some hobbies and interests over the past uh, little while here. As you mentioned, like being in quarantine or being in lockdown, it really has, while it has been very difficult and challenging in many ways, it has also opened up opportunities for many of us, myself included. And one of those is that I've discovered and rediscovered hobbies that I enjoy that I had, that I just hadn't participated in, in in a while. You know, you get busy with life and things happen and work, you know, all of that. So outside of my job and outside of women's empowerment issues, I like love watching movies. So I stream, oh, I have like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. I love baking and I am having fun. It's like, purchased a 
cookbook in on a trip with a friend. This was before quarantine. We went up to New Hampshire and had brunch and I picked up a cookbook there. And so I'm working my way through this cookbook and I am by no means an expert or like a culinary whiz. I know Julia Child, but I'm having so much fun uh, working my way through this cookbook and all of the different recipes and just learning how to play around with different flavors and textures. And so I like baking, I like cooking. I've rediscovered my love for writing. And so I'm writing a lot. Not only am I writing books, but I'm writing letters to people and sending those. And I can't tell you how many friends and family have said, oh, thank you so much. It was wonderful to get an actual letter, a handwritten letter (laughs) in the mail (laughs) instead of a text message. (laughs) I know. That's something that is coming back now that people are back in lockdown I think I think we sort of forgot all these things when we were working when everything was just normal now we are in an abnormal situation but we are going back to the way things were done before all these uh, crazy work schedules came in (laughs) (laughs) right we're writing letters yeah I, I I mean you're not the only person that's told me they're writing letters. Lots of people are writing letters and I've I've actually received a couple of handwritten letters which are really so nice to actually read the handwriting. I mean, seeing somebody (laughs) handwritten letters saying, oh, so, 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 so. That shows how much time they put in and then it shows that they're actually really thinking of you, not just a quick um, text on the phone saying this. Uh, and the texts are actually predictive texts and sometimes you can actually record your voice on the phone and and you could send that to multiple people (laughs) (laughs) all the quick fixings yeah so we're doing away with all these quick fixings and then going back to the roots (laughs) that's what i'm talking about wow it's so nice to talk to you so what advice would you give anyone that is in your situation as a Christian, um, in a turbulent marriage or turbulent relationship, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? There's a couple of things I would say. And, and of course, the first is starting from a place of seeking counsel, and which is it's what I did, it's what my ex-husband and I did. And so if you're in a situation where you're feeling like this might no longer be a long-term thing, or there's struggles that are happening, or there's conflict and tension that's happening, take the step of, of seeking counsel and finding trusted friends or mentors uh, or a counselor, a therapist important that you can work with to help kind of uncover and shine a light on what's happening and learn how to communicate with each other. And so in that, the hope is always for reconciliation, right? That was my hope too. And so the hope is to come to a place through that of really working through it to see those differences and find ways to support and cope and, and adjust. But if you're in a situation like I was, where I recognized 
we're just wired so differently and it is not fair. I really came to a place of saying it's not fair of me to ask my husband to make changes so significant to who he is to accommodate me. And at the same time, I also felt like I know that making some radical changes to the way I operate would also not be sustainable because I would eventually revert back to the ways that I'm I'm wired at my core. And so if, if you find yourself in a situation where you recognize through counsel, through work, through a mutual understanding that it, it's not sustainable for the long term and that divorce is the path that you're going toward. Well, for a woman, I would say, speaking as a woman, in my experience, I would say, find your tribe, find a group of women who will support you and who will stick with you. And, who, and by that, I mean, they will encourage you. They will check in on you. They will help you put pieces back together and they will come around you uh, because the, the journey is difficult. Divorce is incredibly hard. It is a hard process and it uh, really destabilizes one's life in every way for a period of time. And so it's important to try and not to journey through that alone, but to have trusted, safe, sacred friends who can support you in that process. Thank you. What would be your advice to your 25-year-old self? My advice, that's a great question, would be (laughs) continue to trust your gut. I stopped doing that along the way. So continue to trust your gut. So that's one. And I would also say to make a commitment, a lifelong commitment at a young age, I would say to my 25-year-old self, to conversation that leads to deeper understanding. One of the mistakes I made was that when I felt a conversation wasn't going to lead to a positive outcome, but just remain like a circular argument, I conceded and I just gave up and said, okay, well, well, this is just how it's going to be. And so to my 25-year-old self, I would say, don't do that. Keep at it. Keep working and reach out for resources that can help provide the tools to have conversations during conflict so that it can move to a place of deeper understanding. Thank you. I really appreciate you being open about it because not a lot of people would come to that conclusion that they settled, that's the word, they settled for the situation. They refused to just challenge the situation. And some people, unfortunately, when you settle, you just end up with a, you live an unhappy life for the rest of your life. I can't imagine, I mean, waking up every day knowing that, oh, yeah, I'm going home to somebody that you're not really eager to see. I don't know what your marriage was like, but if you're not really happy in a relationship, there's a kind of emotion that 
is attached to that. So you probably will bury yourself in work and you just be at work trying to maybe your work takes you out of the city. You go on all the journeys and you, when you have to come back home, you're like, okay, I have to face this person. I have to, you know, you have to live with that person for the rest of your life. You, you get what I'm saying? It's not really fair for people to have to go through that. I would prefer that we each go our separate ways and everybody is happy and they could, I mean, you could end up finding another person that makes you happy, that shares your your visions, that shares a way of life that balances you in another way. But I mean, who knows? So that's the way I feel about it. And I'm uh, so grateful that you shared some of your experiences on the podcast today. But uh, one last thing I wanted to ask is you talked about stigmas that are associated with women when they go through divorce. What are some of these stigmas that you've experienced? Well, I would say the one that I'm still working through, and in part I'm still working through it because of COVID, (laughs) is when I enter into a church community and share that I am a divorced person, the initial looks, the initial glances, the initial response is it's still difficult to accept. And, you know, there's a look of like, why is she here? Yeah. Right. Oh, she doesn't belong here. What's she doing here? She's not a Christian. She's not supposed to be in this assembly. Yeah, there are times that I that I have felt that and there there was a time where I remember and I'm an, a fairly open person. I'm a fairly uh, transparent and open person. And so when as I have had conversations with uh, people at different churches and they just ask questions about the divorce and when they find out that I was the one that initiated it. The response is different. And it's interesting. I'm trying to figure out what that dynamic is and and why that's present. But some older women have cast a judgment. And especially, again, in my case, it's because I don't fit the box. I don't fit this the set of acceptable standards in the church for the definition of divorce. And so when they ask questions to find out, was there abuse? No. Did, did anyone have an affair? No. You know, like, was there neglect? No. So when I don't, I don't tick their box, then there's a difficulty in understanding, well, what, why did you do that? And um, so there are times where I've definitely felt judged because the women in the church in particular just didn't know how to process my experience and they see it as incredibly selfish. And then, you know, I also understand there's generational differences and there's, you know, there's so much that we all come to the table with and bring to the table and bring to conversations. But so that's, that's one way I, I even had an experience where I was at a church one time and they were offering communion. And in this particular church, I was not allowed to receive communion because I went through a divorce. And so there's just some things still to kind of work through in that area. But then I think there's also in terms of the social aspect, I'm finding that there is a 
perception about divorced women that they are selfish or they are difficult to live with or that their standards are too high on one end. And on the other end, I've encountered the perception that, oh, I must be damaged goods now, right? Somebody actually said that to me, like, you know, <laughs> Susan, you know how difficult it's going to be getting into another relationship. Who's going to want to be in a relationship with someone who's been, who, who initiated a divorce? Like this person actually said, you recognize no man is going to want to be in a relationship with you because they're going to have a fear of <laughs> that you'll do the same thing for them. And I thought, wow. So I'm still learning, you know, this is a new journey for me and I'm still learning the perceptions and stigmas as someone who is now experiencing it directly. And obviously I, this will be a lifelong journey for me, but each taking each season at a time and really my focus is honestly, I don't particularly care what other people think. I am on my own path. And I am putting the pieces of a life together that I want to live. And I'm really just focused on, on that. It doesn't, I mean, I'm aware of all of these other things and I need to be aware of those other things because they impact my clients too. And they impact the women that I work with. But I also spend time coaching the women that I work with not to care about that's that's one of the mental boundaries that we can put up and that we have control over and that's one of the ways that we protect our own energy and our own personhood is by not accepting those negative standards and not accepting those negative expectations and deflecting that away from us and really just focusing on our own intentions, our own goals, and what we want to accomplish and create in our life. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. And I am so grateful for your time and for sharing those expectations and for sharing those experiences. I am shocked that you are actually not allowed to take the communion in a church. Church is supposed to be a place where you feel safe, where you don't feel discriminated against. Well, there it is. I'm really grateful for your time today and uh, hopefully things get better for you. Uh, <laughs> I am sure things will get better for you because you get better at handling the rejects. At least mm -hmm. that's, that's something that you learn as you go along. And that's something that every one of us, I mean, we've all experienced the uh, rejects at some point in our time, in our life, but <laughs> here we are, we are still surviving, we are still alive and we're still kicking. So just stay positive, stay focused, and uh, I hope to speak to you again on a different topic next time. <laughs> yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. And I'd love to come back and talk on, on another topic another time. Thank you. Thank you, you as well. A big thank you to all our listeners who have been sending us messages through the message link. I would like to thank everyone who has listened in so far and contributed to this podcast. Thank you so much. Keep sharing, keep downloading and keep liking. Thank you again.